Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. I am so thrilled to have Nitika Chopra today on the Arthritis Life Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Um, just as a quick intro, can you let us know where you live and what is your brief relationship to arthritis before we delve in the details? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a New Yorker. Um, I live in Brooklyn and I have had psoriatic arthritis since I was 19. So for over 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. And I would love to know like your diagnosis journey um, for psoriasis along with psoriatic arthritis. Um, and what was it like to grow up, you know, as a young person with these conditions? Sure. Yeah. I got diagnosed with psoriasis at the age of 10, which mm -hmm. was, you know, a very, um, I mean, it's always challenging to get a diagnosis, but it was uniquely challenging in the ways that um, so many things are at that time of life. Like I hadn't even had puberty yet. I hadn't even like, I didn't even know who I was in so many ways. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, in all the ways really. And um, so getting that diagnosis right before I had sort of formed who I am in the world was really hard um, because it became such a big part of my identity for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of like the second chapter of my health journey has been about forming other parts of my identity and realizing that I'm much more than my condition and all of that. Yeah. But the first half was not that at all. The first half was very much like, oh, I have this thing. Um, I ended up getting it really severely. So from oh. the tip of my foot to the tip of my head, pretty much wow. for about 17 years, I was completely covered. And, uh, for those people who don't know about psoriasis, you know, it's a condition that is, um, it's very physically uncomfortable. It sort of itches like chicken pox. And I definitely had that experience and I would wake up with bloody sheets from scratching at night and flaking oh and gosh. all this stuff. 
it was like very aggressive physically in so many ways. And then, um, yeah, when I was 19, so almost 10 years into that diagnosis, I got psoriatic arthritis, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, I had never heard of it before. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and I basically had tried like the first time I ever tried medicine. Um, it didn't work like to take, to ingest medicine, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't really work and it sort of triggered me getting psoriatic arthritis, which also like, I didn't know was a thing that can happen. Um, and so, yeah, I remember being in my dorm room and I was trying to open uh, a box of cereal, like the inside bag of the box of cereal, which to be honest, those are kind of hard to open on a hundred percent. Yeah. Kind of hard on a regular day, but I like physically couldn't move my fingers to open it. It wasn't so much like that the bag was hard to open. And I was just like, well, this is weird. Like, why aren't my fingers moving? Like I can't move them properly. And so then kind of went on a journey of telling my parents and being like, what's happening? What do you think I should do? And then going to a doctor and getting that diagnosis. So yeah, Yeah. that's kind of the way it went. And what, and I think we're similar age. I was listening to your podcast a year ago when you turned 40, because I turned 41 41 this year. Yeah. Okay. So exactly. Where did you go to school? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I went to college the first two years at the University of Hartford in Connecticut, okay, nice. and then the second two years at Marymount Manhattan College in Manhattan. So, okay, we were not that far away. I was at Vassar in Poughkeepsie oh, wow. from 2000 to 2004. So, Amazing. I know alternate timeline. We could have met, or because I got diagnosed at age 20. So, you know. And that's, I know a theme of, you know, both of our work is so many people feel isolated and alone and little do we know there's all these other people going through the same thing. Um, but you know, social media was just an idea in Mark Zuckerberg's head when, (laughs) when we were diagnosed. So, um, oh no, I've already gotten off track, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, no. And I had the same thing. I was a college athlete in my Uh, I was back home for the summer and um, I had all these other health issues that I was going down these different roads of gastroenterology and didn't think that my joint pain was any big deal because I was an athlete and just used to having aches and pains. But um, my mom was like, wow, you can't even open like, again, one of these things that's kind of hard to open, but the milk, you know, the milk container. And she was like, hmm, this is unusual. Like this is more than just maybe I fell weird on my hand playing soccer, you know? So yeah, it's really hard as a young person. Um, and I was going to say just as a little, I try to sprinkle in these little educational tidbits that 30% of people with psoriasis will develop psoriatic arthritis. So yeah, it's not something I would never logically think if a person has psoriasis, which I th- think of as like something that affects your skin, it could develop into psoriatic arthritis, which is more of a systemic autoimmune inflammatory um, condition. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> that away. No, for sure. I think people, myself included, like forget that psoriasis is an autoimmune disease. And so, yes. and I, and I struggled with that too, as a kid, I think I didn't even really understand what that meant because you just focus on it being your skin. So you're just kind of like, okay, but then, you know, it sort of creates this issue where you, you, feel confused by the fact that you're feeling all of these other things like fatigue or, you know, overall inflammation or gut issues or all these things that come with a lot of autoimmune stuff. Um, and then, yeah, the arthritis kind of pops up there and you're like, what are you doing here? Like you were not like, you you were not, we did not send you an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, um, 
because uh, one of our themes today will be like kind of acceptance, self-acceptance. And, um, you know, a lot of times psoriatic arthritis and um, rheumatoid arthritis, which I have, are invisible conditions. They can be or mildly visible with psoriasis, but you were saying yours was pretty extreme. So how did that affect you? Like through, I'm just imagining being a teenager with skin, you know, um, manifestations. I'm just imagining that. I mean, being a teenager is just brutal, you know, it is, It, it was brutal. And, you know, sometimes I look back at it and I'm just like, how did I do that? I really actually don't even No, I feel like it's what a lot of moms say with childbirth. Like they just have amnesia about it. Once it's over, you're just like, I have no idea how I got through that. Um, And, and truthfully, that's how I think about it a lot of times. Cause now if I think about, you know, my skin is in remission and my arthritis is so much better through treatment and everything. And so I just feel like, you know, now if I had that all over my body. I just know it would be so, so, so challenging mentally. Mm-hmm. But I think one, when you're younger, there is a, a different ability to be resilient in certain ways. You also mm-hmm. like are just, I don't know, so in the moment in a lot of ways too, you're just kind of getting through it moment by moment. So yeah, it was really challenging. Um, for a long time, I didn't have it on my hands or on my face. And so I would wear okay. long sleeves and pants you know, all the time. And I would still like flake everywhere and like Mm -hmm. have all this stuff happening, but it sort of gave me a sense of like, okay, I can protect myself in these ways. But I do say like, it is one of those things when you have a visible condition, it's like your greatest wound is there for everyone to see. And I'm a very spiritual person. It's something that I've always leaned on, um, you know, this inner strength and also this inner guidance that I have that I feel like is from a source much greater than me and not from a religious perspective at all, but just from a perspective of something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's been a huge part of my journey. So in having this condition that everyone could see, I also saw a lot of truth. I feel like about people, about the way relationships work, I saw that I was treated differently when I had psoriasis everywhere versus now when I don't and, you know, how people thought of me differently, but I was the same person. And so I think that's a lot of how I sort of navigate the world now. It really shaped me in that way of like, you do not know what anyone is going through. Even if you think, you know, you could see them and have a whole story about this person based on you know, what they look like based on their economic background, based on their race, based on all these different things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that intellectually that you don't really know, but to experience it in that way, in such a severe, extreme way, I think it's something I'm honestly grateful for in a lot of ways, because Mm -hmm. I think it really shaped me um, and also shaped a lot of the work that I do, you know, in the way that I navigate the community that I work with and the people that I get to work with every day. So yeah, mm. it was really hard. And it also was a beautiful teacher in a lot of ways. That, that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, it reminds me of how, like when you're a teenager, I remember actually my English teacher had us go through this exercise. I hope I, I could find her and tell her how impactful this was, but she had, a, it was just a poem that we read about the masks that we wear. And it was like about how we try to wear the mask of like, I'm confident or the, you know, it was like a metaphorical mask, but it really blew my mind. And I was like, 
you know, yet so many people hide, try to hide behind a mask, right? And when they're younger, and then what happens is that if you experience love and acceptance, you don't actually know, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, well, I'm actually, they're only accepting this external mask. They don't actually accept the real me, you know? So it's like, um, when you don't have the ability to put that mask, metaphorical mask on, then you, if someone does love and accept you, you can maybe understand that it's a little bit more authentic. Um, but yeah, but oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And I think that's such a great, I really felt that. Yeah. That's such a great reminder. Um, and we're all putting masks on, you know, because a lot of society makes us or asks yes. us to, or, you know, and it's how we navigate things, but yeah, I think it's like getting more and more comfortable with just fully being your full self without having to wear any mask. That's like the beauty of life really. Yeah. And I loved in your episode when you turn about turning 40, you were talking about accepting that you're a very direct person and that you can't do things unless you really feel it. And I, I really resonated to that because I felt as a child, I tried so hard and I, I genuinely enjoy pleasing people and genuinely enjoy like quote unquote, being the teacher's pet or doing the right thing. It wasn't like I wanted to be a rebel and I was hiding it, but I definitely at times like would submerge what I really felt and wanted because I wanted to be a good girl, you know, oh, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're, you know, it, as we get older, we learn to embrace these part of ourselves that maybe weren't society wasn't giving you like a gold star for being like, why should I do that? You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. There's so many times I'll have conversations with friends and I'll be like, I'm giving you a gold star. Cause I know as we get adults, we don't get those anymore no. and we still want them. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah. But no, it's, it's so real. And I think that, um, you know, I, I definitely more and more and more, and even, you know, it's been a year since I turned 40. So even in the last year, I feel like I've had to embrace it even more. Like, how do I really um, honor the fact that I am a direct person and that there's nothing wrong with that. And that like, even though, um, I'm very kind and very thoughtful and loving too, it doesn't mean that I can't also be direct. And so like, sometimes those two things don't always make sense to everybody and yeah, embracing it more and more has been really liberating for me. It, it really is. And, you know, you can't, I think, you can't please every everyone anyway, so might as well be direct and at least you'll know that the point has gotten across. But it is interesting for me being from Seattle because people on the West Coast famously, I guess, um, according to East Coasters, are a little more passive aggressive, like it's yeah. OK, you know, and I, maybe it's because I was in New York for four years, um, even though I wasn't in the city, but I was upstate. But, you know, I definitely think that rubbed off on me like it's there's a saying like clear is kind you know, mm -hmm. unclear is unkind. So if you're being clear with someone, um, then that's actually kind to them as well as kind to yourself. <laughs> I love that. I've heard that before, but it's a good reminder. I, I yeah. absolutely love that. And I, I feel that that's how I, I take things into when someone is clear with me, even if it's harsh, even if it's yeah. like kind of an awful thing that they said, you know what I mean? And not to be unkind, but like just kind of a thing that was like, Oh God, I hate mm -hmm. that that's happening. The truth if it's clear, I'm so, so grateful for it. And the people who are closest to me know that about me for sure. Yeah. I love that. And I, um, you know, back to the idea of acceptance, I have like a million follow-up questions, but I'm going to try to stay on track. Um, you know, I've noticed when I work with, in my communities, you know, that a lot of people have this knee jerk reaction, which is what I had at first that acceptance, ew, that's a bad thing. Except I don't want to accept 
with relationship to my illness. Like, I don't want to accept it. I want to beat it. I want to defeat it. I want to make it go away. And, um, so, you know, now I've had this transformation of being like accepting my moment, like my current, you know, present moment from a mindfulness standpoint has actually been really, really important, um, for, for me, but it's been a long kind of stubborn journey to acceptance. I didn't want to accept, um, but yeah, when you hear the phrase acceptance with respect to living with, you know, chronic illness, what, what comes to mind and, and do you like acceptance or are you like, nah, <laughs> I know the answer. Lead- I'm really bad at asking leading questions. Like you're supposed <laughs> to ask leading questions as an interviewer, but I'm always like, <laughs> anyway, what do no, you think? Totally fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I, I have empathy for all of it is the first thing I want to say, because, you know, I was recently, um, diagnosed with a new condition, um, in the last few months that was triggered by getting COVID last fall. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up getting myasthenia gravis, which is like a rare neuromuscular disease, the whole thing. And, you know, so I've been dealing with that and, um, I kind of thought that I was like a pro at the whole acceptance thing, you know, because I definitely with my psoriasis and my psoriatic arthritis, I've been through so much of that journey around acceptance. And I think I really, yeah, I was like a pro at it. Like I was just like, okay, this is what I have. This is what I've got. I can still move forward and still like live a full life, but I'm going to like really embrace that I'm living it with these conditions. But in getting the new diagnosis, um, you know, after so many years of not having a new diagnosis, I really came up against the acceptance thing. And what came up for me was just, I, I don't want it. I don't, I, I'm good. I'm all set with the autoimmune diseases. I'm all mm-hmm. set. We can, we can close shop now and just like mm-hmm. stop it at two. And I'm like, good, you know? So yeah. getting this new condition, I was really coming up against that. And it was actually a conversation with um, a family friend who's a doctor that really, you know, it was one of those direct kind, but like harsh kind of, you know, conversations of like, I think you need to accept that you have this condition and that like, yes, you can go into remission. Yes, you can have hope. Yes, all these things can happen. But I'm waking up every day being like, no, 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 this isn't happening. This isn't happening. It's not happening right now. It's not happening right now. And that was not helping me or my body. Yeah. And so I think what I'm learning again about acceptance, I thought I learned, I had a PhD in this conversation, but clearly yeah. I, need, I need another, I needed another crash course. Um, but what I'm learning is that like acceptance and hope or acceptance and thriving are not mutually exclusive. Like yes. I can have acceptance that, okay, I was diagnosed with this condition in May it was brought on by this situation. I'm taking medication. I'm doing all these things for it right now. And I also can hope that the circumstances around it get better and change in the future. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's a really tricky kind of fine line because, you know, you really to accept, it's like, I really need to be in the moment and I really need to be like, this is what's happening right now. And to have hope, it's like looking into the future and like wanting something different. Essentially. Yes. So it's like, how do we do that? But I think when you truly start to accept your day to day, what I notice is that there's this like sort of like deep sigh, relaxation, relief that happens in my body mm-hmm. where I'm not waking up essentially in like a fight or flight response yeah, yeah. every day, right? Where like I was waking up 
the first few months of the diagnosis being like, okay, like, how can I make this different? Like, how can Mm -hmm. I stop this? How can I change this? You know, which now I'm like, okay, like this is today. This is what's going on. What do you got to do? What meds do you have to take? What do you have to do to take care of yourself? Um, and you know, and looking for that hope that's going to be in the future as well. So it's kind of a long answer, but that's, that's the genuine place that I'm in right now. And I think the hard thing is people really feel frustrated with the acceptance conversation because they're like, why would I want to accept this? This is awful, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and we're not saying accept it because it's great. We're not saying accept it because you can't want more for yourself. Mm-hmm. We're saying, you know, accept what's happening in the moment so that you can continue to move forward. A hundred, hundred percent. And yeah, I almost think I should phrase it sometimes as present moment acceptance, like, because just like you were mentioning, you know, the present moment acceptance doesn't preclude future hope. Like I can simultaneously say that this moment, um, actually Russ Harris explains, he's the author of the happiness trap. He explains acceptance as taking what's offered. Like this is what life is offering you right now. And you kind of have no choice, but to take it. And, um, then you can say, okay, this is the present. And then I know that there's lots of possibilities for the future. My future could get worse, but it could get better. I was actually wearing my sweatshirt this morning from the um, uh, well, self-care is for everyone website that I bought. It just says, what if it gets better? Because I always think of the worst case scenario, right? But actually it could get better. <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. always like surprised that that's a possibility. But the other thing I was going to say is Dr. Kristen Neff. I don't know if you know of her work. But I think you spoke at the same conference as her um, I got my, I got brain fog. Um, I'll blame COVID, but also rheumatoid arthritis <laughs> because I got COVID in August. So now I'm like, okay, I have like, I have multiple excuses for brain fog, but she talks about, um, a point she made about acceptance that I had never thought of is with regards to self-compassion, you first have to acknowledge and really confront what you're going through in order to give yourself compassion. Otherwise you're just like, there's this kind of little thing going on. It's probably going to go away soon though. So it's not really a big deal, but I'll try to give myself, you know, does that kind of resonate? Oh yeah. That's, I think that's exactly what I was sort of doing, you know, a couple months ago. And I just, it kind of happens without you even realizing it in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Like I was Mm -hmm. just like, what? I didn't even know it was happening until this person that I was talking to was like, you know, this entire conversation, you've sort of just been talking about when you're going to be in remission and like, not really fully like, you know, embracing where you are right now. And I was just like, no, I did not know I was doing that. I had no idea that Mm. that was happening. Um, and it was, it was hard, you know, when she sort of brought that to my attention, I had to spend the next like couple of weeks being like, oh, wow. Okay. This is like a new level of getting real with what's happening. And, um, and I, I had to sort of also, also, I think the other part of acceptance people don't always acknowledge is like, there's sometimes a lot of grief that comes up with acceptance. You know, it's not like we're saying acceptance and then like, you know, birds start chirping and you're like singing through the head. No, No. it's harder. It's hard to accept. I think it's It's easier to be in denial. I, I think I would have to argue. I totally agree. I mean, it's easier until it's really not right. But then like, yeah, that's true. In the moment, it does feel so much easier. It feels cozier, comfortable, like, okay, I'm just going to nestle up with this denial blanket. Yeah. um, Yeah. Be like, you know, this is okay. But it was hard. Those those first couple of weeks of of really coming face to face with that acceptance conversation, I had more grief. I had more frustration. I had more anger. 
Um, but then on the other side of it, I was able to really like rest in the acceptance and be like, okay, mm-hmm. this is what mm-hmm. we're doing. This is what's happening right now. This is what's real. And I'm going to see how I can move forward from this place instead of pretending like it's not happening, you know? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I just, I want to say that I, I feel the sense of, um, uh, relief when you talked about being hard on yourself and being like, I thought I was better at acceptance or I thought. And I've really experienced that so many times as well. I thought I knew, I, or I thought I had this all figured out, you know, but the conditions with regards to your chronic illness and with regards to just any challenges in life, the conditions change, right? So you can, you could, let's say um, one of the goals my therapist had for me was like being able to really look uncertainty in the face rather than saying, I have uncertainty about my future, Um, let's say when we were thinking about maybe having another baby, we had one child and we stopped at one, but for a while I had this uncertainty. Should I have another baby? Should we not? What if, if I have another baby, will my body freak out again? Will it be better this time? You know? And, um, like one of the goals was just being able to like sit with uncertainty. (laughs) And I kept for so long, I was like, why do these, why are these therapists so obsessed with like sitting with things? Like sitting is boring. (laughs) Like, why don't they just jump to solutions? Like this doesn't seem very productive, (laughs) but yeah. But then being able to say, okay, actually this is something I can look in the face and I can say, this is the truth of the moment, which is that it is uncertain and it's hard to cope with uncertainty, but I can do it. But I, I have circling back to what I was first thing is like, I have that feeling of like, well, I've been through all this therapy. I've been through all these experiences of uncertainty, but then when I get a new uncertainty in my life, it's still hard. Why is it so hard? And it's like, it's not hard because I'm doing it wrong. It's just hard because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, to be fair, also like with the pandemic, even just going back to like the 2016 election for so many people, yeah. like the, the compounding uncertainty that's also systemic, you know, and, and just it's surrounding us at all times. Um, I think it does. And I'm, I'm learning about the nervous system more and more lately, because mm. I feel like it has a lot to do with a lot of these feelings that we're talking about. I do not know much about it yet. So I am mm. not an expert in talking about it whatsoever. But just that, you know, under the basic understanding of the fight or flight response that we have Mm -hmm. and just knowing that, I mean, as a New Yorker, I feel like I'm in a constant fight or flight response because that's just what the city does to you. Right. And Mm -hmm. then add in your conditions and then add in the political climate and then add in the systemic issues and then add in, you know, all of that. I think it really um, can just be so challenging for us to be with uncertainty in our own lives when we're already being compounded with all of this other uncertainty too. Like we're starting at our baseline of uncertainty mm-hmm. pretty high, you yeah. know? And so then to add, that's at least how I feel. And then to add like yeah. one thing, I'm just like, no, no, again, you are not invited. Like mm-hmm. we, we need some stability. We need some consistency. Like we are looking for, you know, comfort would be great, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, the uncertainty thing is real. And I also think I try to remember like, yeah, I'm feeling, you know, wiggity about this because I'm just like, it's already so uncertain out there, you know? So then to add something on top is challenging, I think. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then the environment, I'm really glad you mentioned that about living in New York. I think the environment, not just the physical environment, but the emotional environment, the stimulation around us, the sensory stimulation, all of that can really um, compound, you know, your 
own ability. Like, it's like, okay, I can sit with uncertainty, like in a quiet, calm room with no external variables. When my pain is in a good spot that day, it's obviously the conditions are harder when you have more, you know, more emotional and, um, stimulation or just more difficult circumstances. If you have ever felt completely lost or utterly alone while trying to navigate real life with rheumatic disease, listen up. I am here for you. I created an educational program to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported and connected in a matter of weeks. And it's called Room to Thrive. After earning a master's in occupational therapy and completing hundreds of hours of additional training, I created a step-by-step guide to help you truly thrive with rheumatic disease. This is the only program I know of that's designed to improve quality of life for people living with inflammatory autoimmune forms of arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, Sjogren's disease, and more. During the self-paced lessons, you'll learn how to manage pain and fatigue, cope with stress, navigate relationships, and continue doing the things that matter to you and bring you joy. The goal is really to help you improve your quality of life and learn how to thrive with your rheumatic disease right now, rather than waiting for a distant day when it might be cured or healed. I really created the down-to-earth, practical, heartfelt resource I wish I had had when I was first diagnosed at age 20. If you want even more in-depth support, you can join the 12-week Room to Thrive virtual support group where you'll be surrounded by people who actually get what you're going through, people who will provide the encouragement, validation, and support that you deserve. Each group is expertly moderated, so you don't have to worry about the kind of misinformation that spreads like wildfire in the free-for-all social media groups. If you're on the fence, don't just take my word for it. Here's what Katie had to say in March 2023. I was lost and overwhelmed with my RA diagnosis. It felt overwhelming to know what to read, what to do, how to spend my energy trying to research on the internet. Room to Thrive did that for me. It's been like getting a crash course in my diagnosis along with a community who gets it. To see all the details, including the dates for the next support groups, go to the link in the show notes or bit.ly slash thrive room with a capital T in capital R. You can also just email me anytime at info at myarthritislife.net. And don't delay if you're interested because each group is capped at 16 people or less in order to make a small, intimate group atmosphere. Thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to get started with the next groups. And I can't wait for those of you who are interested in the self-paced option to go ahead and join that at any time. Bye-bye for now. And so on that note, actually, I would love to know like what you're mentioning that you were you were mentioning you were learning more about the brain and fight or flight. What are some of like the tools and approaches or maybe philosophies, because you mentioned spirituality, that kind of help you cope on a day-to-day basis, like for the people listening who are just like, help me get through the day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I always go with like, keep it simple. Um, I'm not one of those people that's going to tell you to do 25,000 things because I'm not doing 25,000 things. Um, Love it. Uh, and I, you know, because I'm so connected to my body from like an illness perspective, I also really want to connect with my body for like in a beauty perspective in a way that's Mm. like, what is it providing me? Like, okay, I can spend a lot of time focusing on the things that aren't working and that's valid and, and helpful when I need to make something work better or, you know, try to try to help myself in some way. But the truth is, 
I have a life altering condition and I still want to live a full life. And I think that that is like the biggest takeaway that I want everyone, especially people that, you know, um, connect with my work and and the stuff that, that I'm doing to, to remember is that, yes, this is true. We're not talking about a toxic positivity, you know, wash over here. I'm not saying that you know, you're going to say this affirmation or put on this lipstick. And then all of a sudden your arthritis is going to go away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want the magic lipstick. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> I can tell you right now, that's not how it works. But when I was in the height of my condition, especially with my arthritis, um, when I was in my early twenties, I, my, my bones were deforming. I was set to be immobile by the time I was 30. If I didn't find a treatment that works, like it was really, wow. really intense. And I spent most of the first half of my twenties in bed in a lot of pain. And I, it was actually during that time that I learned a lot of these philosophies. So people look at me now and they're like, oh, well, it's easy for you to say, because you're like, you know, bouncing around or you have this full life or whatever. And I'm just like, no, no, no. I learned this when I was like in bed and had no other choice. And I was like suffering in the deepest level. So the things that I do are still true to this day, which is like connecting with my body in a nurturing way. So I know how to connect with it when it's in pain and all of these things, but just going into my inner, my inner space, my inner self. And when I wake up in the morning, I, it's like an automatic thing for me now, but just like, what do you need right now? Like, what do you need to my spirit, you know, to my spirit and a lot of times it's like, oh, I just need like a few more minutes just right here. Or I I'm feeling a little irritated. Like I feel like I need to call a friend or, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious. Like, I think I need to take a few extra minutes getting ready this morning. Cause I just feel like, I don't know, my, my energy is really anxious right now. A lot of times it's like those very, very, very simple things that are not revolutionary. Right. But the thing is we're constantly pushing past ourselves. We're constantly trying to get to the next point. We're constantly trying to achieve something or fix something or change something. So the art of slowing down and just really connecting for me, it's my inner spirit, but for you, it might be something else. Like for other people, Mm -hmm. you know, they're really creative. I'm also really creative. Um, And so to me, that connects me to my spirit, but like maybe for you, spirit doesn't connect, doesn't resonate with you, but your creativity resonates with you. Or like, Mm -hmm. maybe it is like your athleticism. If you are like an athlete and like, you love to run, like whether you have a chronic illness or not, like that's something that really provides a lot for you. So connecting with that deeper part of yourself, I think is like the biggest thing that you can do. And then from there, figuring out what are those sort of that list of tools that those, that thing, those things in your toolkit that you can sort of go back to and say, oh, you know, I have these 10 things that like always make me feel better. Like, which one do I need right now? Mm-hmm. You don't have to do 10 right now, you know, but like, which one thing do you need right now? And honestly, like my work is a huge part of that too, which I find to be like such a gift. So I, I really enjoy what I do. And so sometimes when I'm feeling like disconnected or I'm feeling a little lost, like I'll literally just start working on my community and my company. And it makes me remember like why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing, like the greater purpose in my life. Um, so things like that, you know, really figuring those things out for yourself. I love that. And that is like, so congruent. Our, ju- I just realized our, the last part of our conversation has been really congruent with like acceptance and commitment therapy, which is this approach that I found really helpful, but it's saying, First, you have a mindfulness moment where you connect with and accept what's happening in the present. 
and then you commit to what brings you purpose and what what is something that makes your life meaningful and turn towards that instead of turning away from the present and trying to make it, you know, be- fix it or make it better. So like, you're like an expert in acceptance and commitment therapy, even though okay. you're not like a counselor. Yet. Yeah, I know. No, it's amazing how people, and this is the thing, people, you can learn something through like a didactic approach of like going to college and studying this, or you can learn it through the streets, the streets of chronic illness that you've been living you know, and okay, before, because I want to definitely talk about your community because it is incredible, but just very briefly, because I know people are going to be like, why isn't she asking about, you mentioned this treatment that got you out of bed and in, and now into more of like a remission state. Do you mind sharing? You don't have to share the exact the name of it, but um, you know, what was it that kind of helped turn things around for you from a treatment standpoint? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, so I ended up taking a biologic. So that is Mm -hmm. what ended up working for me um, when I was about 25. But what I will say about it, I am so grateful for it. I'm still on it to this day. But what I will say is that I don't believe that it's like an all or nothing approach. So for a long time, I was really afraid to take a biologic or take medication because as I mentioned earlier, I had tried one medication that sort of kicked off this arthritis thing when it didn't work anymore. And it kind of sent me down a spiral. So I was really afraid to try something else. I really had this like belief system that like my body didn't respond well to medication. And I was so afraid of it, but because my bones were deforming and the condition was spreading so rapidly, progressing so rapidly, the doctor was like, you're going to be immobile by the time you're 30, if you don't like stop the progression. Mm -hmm. So one thing is like, I really took my time in figuring out what that was, what was going to be the best for me. And I ended up taking this biologic that, I mean, it changed, it gave me my life back, you know, and that was sort of the decision-making process was like, I, I didn't have a life when I was starting this medication. I couldn't get out of bed. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the moment that I decided to, to try to take something was because I was a singer. I loved singing my whole life. And I, and I still sing and my voice teacher had told me about this amazing audition on Broadway. And she's like, we've been practicing the songs for this particular musical. Like you should go, there's like an open casting call. Like you should just like go try, try out. And I couldn't get out of bed. And so I was like, wait a second, this is not, I'm not living my life. I couldn't physically get out of bed. So, and I was 25 years old, you know? So my doctor sort of, I saw a new doctor, did x-rays. Like I found someone who really listened to me. That was like also kind of the beginning of that sort of learning how to advocate for myself, all those things. And my doctor was like, I know you're afraid about what can happen in the future because there's side effects and there's so many things that we don't know. But he's like, but what's happening again, back to that acceptance, what's happening right now? Like you're not even able to live your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did try that medication. It I've had, you know, it's been 16 years now that I've been on it on and off. I've had some times where it hasn't worked as well. I've had to add things, take away things, all of that. Mm -hmm. For the most part, it's been solid. Um, But I also feel that my uh, mental health has played a huge role in Mm -hmm. in supporting me taking the medication. I feel like working on what I put in my body from a food perspective, um, Mm -hmm. even like an energy, like mindfulness perspective, like all those things. I don't believe that it's just the medication alone. I I feel like mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it and it's helped me get over the like severity and the intensity, but I think all these other things are really really important as well. 
a thousand percent. <laughs> I, I'm laughing at myself for saying a thousand percent. But first of all, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, those of you who've listened to me for a while know that I'm very, I'm very open that I've been on methotrexate plus a biologic for the last 19 years. And um, I went immediately on early aggressive treatment because of my doctor's recommendation. And I was fortunate. I didn't have, I, I totally understand if you had a really bad experience with one biologic, it would be very hard to start another one. Um, but I was able to, I just was lucky that my first treatment plan with methotrexate plus a biologic put me into remission for six years. And then my body developed antibodies, but point being, um, I also resonate like as an occupational therapist, we're all about like, we don't prescribe or treat through medications. Um, we, it's all about lifestyle and holistically saying, okay, what's going, you know, what's going on in your mind, what's going on with your daily habits and routines. You know, like you mentioned a morning routine. I love your idea of connecting to your body in the morning. I am like the least, I'm the most impatient person in the morning. I just jump out of bed and I'm like, I'm going to get my to-do list, you know, like really frantic. And so like, that sounds really smart, you know, to just to breathe for one second in the morning and, you know, think about food, movement, um, sleep, sleep is like the often forgotten lifestyle factor. So it takes a huge toolbox for most people. It's not always like a one shot, you know, um, some people are lucky and they'll just take one med and they're like, Whoa, my, I got my old life back here. I go on my way. But the majority of people have to do a multi-prong, um, approach, but I'm, I'm so glad that that med, you know, is, is, uh, you know, is working, um, and that you're able to kind of go on and off of it. But, um, you know, Back to the idea of community. Um, I'm just I'm really excited for you to, and I'm sorry, you probably have to tell the story a million times, but um, to share about the Chronicon community, um, what you've built, you know, I would just love to hear the origin, your superhero origin story. How did you, and why did you build this? And, and what is it? <laughs> just yeah. tell me everything. <laughs> You know, you never have to apologize for asking me to yeah, talk about true. Chronicon because it is the love of my life and my child and, you know, my spouse and everything yeah. in one. So I am always happy to talk about Chronicon. It really, um, you know, it started in 2019. That's when the company was founded. And it was really after years um, of doing content creation. I had done my own talk show on TV. I had you know, done a ton of events um, already that were these live self-love celebrations where I'd have hundreds of people come and here in New York City. And then I was doing content online, all this stuff. And I loved doing it. But there was a point in my career where I felt like I wasn't really reaching the person that I wanted to reach that like I knew I was uniquely designed to support. Um, and that person is someone who's lived the, you know, the way that I have with conditions and with navigating the health system and navigating their bodies in a pretty extreme way, you know? And so I started to realize that that's who I wanted to talk to. And I sort of had this moment, the origin story is I had this moment when I was at CurvyCon, uh, which is another conference. Yeah. My girlfriend at the time, she was like, my, my friend, she was like, you know, going there to, to model for something. And she's like, Hey girl, like you should come hang out with me and, um, see what I'm doing over here. I was like, great. I'll come. I always love supporting my friends. And I was walking around CurvyCon and I just saw all of these ridiculously beautiful human beings. And I was like, Oh my goodness, each person in this room and these brands are celebrating these people. Like they're not saying, come to my booth and try on my clothes and be different. They're like, no, 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 no. We want you exactly how you are. We want to celebrate exactly how you are. We want to uplift exactly how you are. And then these 
human beings, mostly women, were walking around like just totally empowered because of that, because they were really being seen, you know? And so I literally was walking around CurvyCon and I had this full body experience. And, and that's how my creativity works through experiences and people. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I had this vision of like 15 year old Nitika, you know, sitting at a booth and getting a manicure pedicure. Cause that was always my biggest step, like insecurity because of my skin, um, which is such a like everyday thing, but I would be so terrified to get my nails done. And I had this feeling of like, oh my God, what would it have been like for her to have a conference where she walked up to a booth and they were like, hey girl, with your flaky skin, we have an exfoliator for that. We have a shea butter for that. Just come sit with us. We're going to play great music and we're going to pamper you and you are gorgeous just the way you are. And we are going to uplift you in doing this with you. And I just knew, and my whole body gets chills thinking about it. Like, I just knew it would change. It would have changed my life. You know, it would have changed mm-hmm. my entire life actually. Um, and so I started thinking about it and I basically was like, what would that be called? What would that be? And I thought of the name Chronicon as I was walking around the, um, the event and yeah. And then from there, I kind of was like, I don't know if anyone is going to care about this because no one is really talking. I mean, this is pre-pandemic. Now everyone's talking about being immune compromised and still it's not as much as we need, but you no, know, you're right. You're right though. But it's a buzzword now mm-hmm. being immune compromised, which is like not the case just three years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was kind of like, I don't know if anyone's going to care about this. I don't know if anyone's going to come. I don't know if this is weird. Like I have <laughs> no idea, but I know I need it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to try and essentially partnered with some different brands and told them about it. It was just like, this is what I'm thinking. And the response was, honestly, it was another, it was like out of this world. I could, I've done many things in my career before and they've all been nice, but this was kind of one of those moments where I was like, what is happening? This is like otherworldly with what people, with the amount of enthusiasm and resources and excitement and all that that's happening around it. So I launched the event. We did it um, October 28th. So our three-year anniversary is coming up soon um, in 2019. And um, we sold out months before the event even happened. Like I couldn't believe it. And we had thousands of people live streaming online. So it was an in-person event with uh, people watching live stream. Amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it was an in-person event. We had different, you know, speakers. It was a full day um, in Manhattan. And it was just like, just like the best day of my life. And I still get messages from people who were there live, who were just like that day changed my life because they had never Mm -hmm. seen people like you and I who are like cool, doing awesome things, like vibrant, you know, all of that. And like smart and talented and all of these things and beautiful, like in the truest sense of the word. Right. Mm -hmm. And who like cool fashion and who like cool, like products and learning about like yummy foods and just like cool stuff. Um, they had never seen people talk about chronic illness who looked like that. And it's usually like a very sterile, you know, very bland, very like depressing conversation. And this could not be more different. It's like vibrant and full of life and beautiful while still being real, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was a really incredible day. And then of course the uh, pandemic happened like the week that I was going to put the deposit on for the next event for 2020. I ended up, you know, not putting the deposit down. So it's fine. But I literally had gone to this venue and I was like ready. And I just did a video about, Oh my God, like we're going to do the next event. I'm so excited. And then, yeah, the pandemic happened. And I just had this feeling 
in my body, although everyone else seemed to be in denial, my whole body was like, girl, you're going to be here a while. This is mm-hmm. not, especially because I was one of the first people to just go home and not see anyone yeah. because yeah. of being immune compromised. So I, I just kind of knew that we were not going to be out of the woods for a while. I don't think I knew it was going to be quite this long, <laughs> but I knew at least till like 2022, like mm-hmm. my body was kind of like, this is going to take a while. Um, so then I started the Chronicon community, you know, and that's our URL experience versus our IRL experience. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. And yeah. So it's an online community. People can participate in 24 seven. Yeah. And we have events every single week and we have, um, collectives, which are led by our members, which are really awesome where they get to do their own events and they also produce their own content, which is really cool. Um, and we have so much in store. We're actually launching our own app. So right now it's through like the mighty networks platform, but we're doing uh, a white label of our app coming out this winter. So in the next like month or so, um, we'll be coming out with our own Chronicon app that people can join. So we're really taking it to the next level. We're going to be creating a shop next year, which is really exciting. And like in line with our event that's coming in May, which is going to be the in-person event. Um, so we're just doing yes, a lot in, of Oh, sorry. I just like, Tell this me. is so amazing. No, I'm just like, how are, it's like, I feel like I'm like the uh, SNL skit with <laughs> where they have Michael Jordan on. And then uh, what's the guy's name? He's like, remember the time, remember the time you did that? You're awesome. Like that was awesome. No, like this is like, I literally am like, how are you so awesome? No, there's so many skills that you have to be able to bring this to life that are really like in that I'm just blown, blown away by, um, in addition to just the out, the outcome of it, right. Which is like transforming people's lives, giving them community. But I know this is no small deal in a city like New York to put together something like this. So I'm just like, like it's, yeah. I'm just getting chills because there's so many different aspects of what you're saying, but one of them is like, uh, people will tell me and I do not, I mean, if you look at a picture of me from middle school, you would never think like any, like this woman is destined to be some sort of influencer. <laughs> like I was, you know, but yeah. Anyway, huge Same here, by the way, I was such I mean, a nerd. I was, I, I mean, like, bullied. Yeah. I was a nerd. I was so hairy and so confused. And so like, all these okay. Things. My, I got teased for having hairy arms. You can't yeah. really see it, but they are hey, very, I have dark, thick hair and yeah. lily white skin. It's like transparent. You could just yeah. see this hair. <laughs> like even when I shave my legs, you could, anyway, yeah, 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 no. So it's just, you're so right that people don't, they Google psoriatic arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, and they don't see anything that looks like the kind of life that they would want. They look, they see yeah. something that looks very scary and sterile and, and being able to say it's, it's a very thin line that you've been able to um, achieve, which is something I've tried to achieve with my work too, which is we're not saying you just overcome it. And then you're normal again or better again. It's that we're going to celebrate exactly how you are. If you have a deformity, like I have deformities in my toes. Luckily, I'm a very um, not what's the word? Uh, I keep always said, oh, I wish I was more. Um, I wish I cared about my looks more than I would probably have better posture. Or like I just don't don't pay that much attention to my feet. I'm not like don't, you don't have any sort of foot fetish or whatever, but you know, they, they definitely look like I have a claw, some claw toes on my feet, you know? And it's like, instead of saying like, oh, you just need to come and like learn this treatment. So your feet can look normal again. It's like, no, let's celebrate. This is what you look like. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Sorry. I'm just excited. <laughs> no, don't be sorry at all. I'm excited too. I mean, that's, that's really what it is, right? Like we're, and that's what makes Chronicon, I think different is that 
we're not, I'm not here trying to sell you a cure for something. I'm not here to tell you you're broken. So I need to fix you. I'm here to be like, you are amazing. Like, what are you doing? Cause you're amazing. Mm-hmm, and you come mm-hmm. hang out with us. We have lots of resources. If you want to, you know, enhance parts of your life, if you want to be better at boundaries, if you want to be better at relationships, if you want to, you know, uh, learn how to be more empowered and use your voice more, if you want to learn recipes, like we have all that stuff and we are a lifestyle content platform for all of that, Mm -hmm. but really to help you thrive in your life and learn how to live a full life while giving you the understanding that we get what it's like living with a chronic illness, you know? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's meant to be empowering. I love it. Yeah. And I, I went, you know, it's funny because when I started arthritis life in my room to thrive programs, you know, I tried to look up where similar things and it is hard because there's so many different search terms, right? I think I was maybe looking more at like support opportunities for rheumatoid arthritis specifically, and maybe not looking at the chronic illness as much as I, I wish I would have come across, you know, you earlier, but you know, better, better late than never. But, um, I just think this is in, incredible. And I know I want to be, um, sensitive to your, to your time and energy. It's not just the time it takes to do these interviews, but it's the energy to tell your story. And, um, I do, I have a couple, if you know, rapid fire questions to wrap up and we'll obviously we'll be giving all the links to Chronicon. You know, you have your own Instagram, Facebook and website and community website. Um, but well, this question could be actually a whole episode, but one, the first rapid fire question, fire question is like, do you have a, just a quick nugget for newly diagnosed patients or, you know, word of wisdom for them. Oh yeah. That could be a whole episode. You're right. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes up for me is like, I just want to put my hands on my heart and my chest and just be like, I am sending you the biggest virtual hug. Mm -hmm. Um, I think having surrounding yourself with people that know how to nurture you and be kind with how much uncertainty comes from a new diagnosis, I think is probably the kindest thing you can do for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that might be like one or two people, which is kind of annoying that it can't be like 20 people. Like most of the people in your life, I think aren't going to always know how to show up for you in that specific, like really tender, kind way. But the more I acknowledge, okay, there's like these two people who get it. There's like these two people who I can call when I'm really up against my health stuff. And they just know how to be like, this sucks. I'm so sorry. I love you. You're amazing. We got this. Like you're not in an alone, um, not mm-hmm. trying to give me unsolicited advice, not trying to fix me, like just holding me in it. Um, I think you will find that you're able to take steps forward more and more easily. And like with a bit more confidence, if you have those one or two people and accept that, like some people aren't going to be able to do that. You know, there's so many things I could say, but that's kind of the first place Mm. that I go. Huge. No, because otherwise people get stuck trying to convince everyone rather than just saying, okay, these are the people that are here for me. And these are the ones I'm going to let go of for now. Maybe they'll come back later. Um, do you have a favorite arthritis gadget or a tool like the gloves or like, I'm all, you know, I kind of have this weird obsession with like gadgets, but oh my gosh, that's so cool. I don't have any gadgets actually. Oh, it's okay. Like my most interesting thing that I do is I carry around my <laughs> pills. I have so many pills right now. So I'm like, oh yeah, I carry around my pills. Oh, this could be, well, when you open your store, I could, uh, I will be happy to offer some ideas because I have a whole collection of arthritis gadgets. What's it's the occupational therapist in me. Cause we're all about like, I mean, I mean, the, what I always joke is the most important 
you know, gadget is like your brain and your mindset, you know, but it is fun to have these little things. And it's another thing that needs to be normalized, right. And celebrated, not just like, Oh, I don't want to use a cane or mobility aid or a jar opener. Cause it makes me feel you know, bad about myself. Um, no, I say use the gadgets. Like there, I think that's cool. If you can feel empowered, like knowing you need something and finding it great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you have a favorite like book or movie or show that you've watched recently or something that's been sticking with you? Oh, it's such a good question. I I'm a big audiobook person. Um, I listen to audiobooks and I, really love memoirs, um, specifically, you know, I, I love memoirs and I love memoirs because I feel like they're usually like triumphant in some way. And I actually like, don't need them to be triumphant around illness. To be honest with you, it's usually better if they're not surrounding my health because mm-hmm. I don't want to be steeped in it so much. Me too. But I love, um, like weirdly, I, Jessica Simpson wrote a great memoir. Um, it was yes. so Okay. So good. No, I read every celebrity memoir. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I have, I read David Spade's memoir. Like it was, I will get to say, I won't say it's good, but I will say it is the celebrity memoir that seems the least highly edited. Like you can tell he wrote it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of memoirs, they're ghost written or they're, you know, highly edited, but his, no, I mean, it has some fun stories. I just love SNL, but um, okay, but yeah, okay. Jessica Simpson's cool. is, is fantastic. Yeah. I also really loved Alicia Keys memoir. I mean, I love Alicia Keys. Oh, I didn't get to the one yet. Really good. Yeah. There were some, there was like one or two areas where I was like, okay, you've got to cut this down a little bit, but other than mm-hmm. that and listening to it is amazing because she sings mm-hmm. in it and she also has like guest people that come in and do like a little thing in it. It was really, really, really good. Um, the memoir educated is really intense, but like was so good. Um, yep. so I love memoirs. Yeah. So okay. anything that can kind of get lost in someone else's life. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. That is my absolute favorite genre too. And I would say if you mentally, you have to be, you can't, you have to be in a space when you're not really stressed, but Jeanette McCurdy's memoir, um, it's heavy. It's called, I'm glad. So she is an, a child actress who, um, her oh, book is was called about her mom dying. Yeah. It's called, I'm glad my mom died. I know it's a very incendiary title, but basically she details it in, in really beautifully that she didn't know she was b- being emotionally abused as a child and kind of coerced into being a child actor. And her mom was very narcissistic and manipulative. And you kind of see it through her eyes at the different ages, how she figures it out. And her mom basically taught, literally explicitly taught her how to have an eating disorder. And so she then goes to therapy. So it's very heavy, um, but it's super powerful. Um, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so good, but, but yeah, and educated is probably like one of the best written. Oh my God. It was wow. So good. I was like jaw on the floor the entire time listening to that. Like, yeah. I was like, is this a real book? I don't understand. Like how, what is happening? So yeah, I, I love memoirs. That's great. Oh, I can't imagine growing up the way she did. Um, yeah. and then just, um, two more, if you do you have time, because it's okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite, you said earlier, you don't use a lot of affirmations, but do you have a favorite, like inspirational saying or something that you repeat to yourself? Like one of the ones for me is like, I can do hard things, but yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's not so much that I don't use affirmations. It's more like I don't consider them like a cure-all, which I think oh. at one point I did. And I was sort mm-hmm. of in that toxic place of like, I'm going to force myself to repeat this affirmation over and over again until I no longer feel bad. And that was yeah. not effective, but I do use affirmations in kind of a more personal way. Like I'll just kind of spend time 
you know, sort of like I was saying when I thought about the newly diagnosed person, like I'll just spend time with myself and affirm the thing that I feel I'm lacking in that moment, or like I'm rubbing up against Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll just sort of spend time with myself and be like, I love you. I'm sorry. I know this is hard. Like, I'm sorry. You're frustrated. It's, it's more like loving that inner child part of myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's not so much like a, well thought out affirmation. It's just like that tender, loving care. Um, something I say a lot to myself though, which a really good friend of mine said, gave me a card that said this years ago. And I think you've probably heard it. It's just like, everything is okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Oh yeah. And I feel like that's like a, you know, Hallmark card kind of thing. But I, I remind myself of that a lot because I'm constantly like, what's happening? And then I'm just like, okay, it's not the end. Like this isn't the end of the story. So like, mm-hmm. hey, it'll, it'll be figured out. Maybe not in the way you wanted, maybe not in the exact way you thought, but this will get figured out. Like, okay, everything is okay in the end. If it's not okay. It's not the end. Like keep mm-hmm. going, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do say keep going a lot, like just mm-hmm. taking action and, and reminding myself that action makes me feel more empowered. And so that's yeah. also something I say a lot to myself. I love all of those are so helpful. And and then just lastly, what's bringing you joy right now? Oh, I'm thinking a lot about joy right now, actually. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about it a lot. And I think um, it's a huge part of my spirit. And I think when we talk about health and illness so much, we can sort of forget that we're allowed to also experience joy. Um, so what's bringing me joy every single day, the Chronicom community brings me joy. And I'm not just saying that, I mean, they know I am literally obsessed with each of them. Like they just have my full heart. They are the lights of my life. And anytime that we have an event later today, cause we have an event every week in the community. And I'm just like, what, like you guys are the absolute best. I feel so lucky that I get to spend time with you. So that always brings me joy. Um, and then I'm finding joy in small things like, you know, I have like makeup and jewelry that I never use. And especially in the pandemic, I'm like, why would I use it? Cause it's just like, I'm not going, I wasn't going anywhere, but, um, I'm feeling like joy in that lately of like, okay, let me pull out some rings. I haven't worn in a while, or let me put on a lipstick that I haven't used in a while for myself, you know, not for any other reason, but that's kind of bringing me some joy and it's been fun. I love, I love that. And I, I almost felt like it was like a leading question. Cause I feel like, I think she's going to say the chronic on community, but just in, just in case. And I love the point about the small things as well. I mean, I almost let my earring holes close up in the pandemic because it had been so long. I hadn't put earrings in, yeah. <laughs> and, especially when you're doing meetings and you have like the, butt. you're like, okay, there's too much going on in my ears, yeah. but, but yeah, it's so true. And, um, and so, um, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes, but just in case there's somebody who's like, I'm trying to find her right now on Instagram, like what is, where should people follow you? Yeah. So you can go to at Chronicon official. Um, and my Instagram is also linked on there somewhere, but it's at mm-hmm. Nitika Chopra. Um, so follow on both for sure. Cause we share different content on each page. Um, mm-hmm. and that's the best place. It's so, you really, you have to check out her pages and, and also website. Cause you can see there's so many amazing things that you didn't even mention because we just only had an hour, but you know, she was, uh, Nitika was in this amazing, like swimsuit, um, campaign, you know, modeling, like on giant billboards again, like in New York city, like <laughs> I'm such a dork, but I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like, and just the transformation between being afraid, you know, afraid to show 
yourself and for people to look at you. And then now being on a billboard, it's like, wow, you could almost write that in a, in a book, you know, maybe one day, maybe, <laughs> maybe one day, maybe yeah. I'll write my own memoir one day. Yeah. I think, I think it's in the cards. I see <laughs> it in your future. <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much. Like this has been so uplifting for me. Like it's been a dream to speak with you. So I really appreciate it. I know you've had a, some rough, you know, health issues and I just, you know, appreciate you so much. So thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. It was so lovely to finally meet you and to be on your show. And I'm excited for the episode to come out and to connect with all your wonderful folks. Thank you. Yay, thank you. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you. 